Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. All right, so today I'm here with Chris Slimp, who's Pennsylvania County's Public Safety Director, and Casey C., who's the EMS Coordinator. Thank you guys for being here. We're glad to be here. Appreciate Absolutely. you having us. So I guess to start, uh, Chris, I know I've had you on here before, but if, if you guys just want to give me a little bit of a, a rundown of, of what you guys do with the Public Safety Department. Well, I pretty much oversee the, the department itself and all the divisions within the department. And Casey manages our EMS stuff, uh, manages our staff, manages a lot of our trucks, works with our volunteers, mm-hmm. helps them with the training, helps them with supplies, quite a few of the day-to-day operational things. She does a lot to help them. Mm-hmm. So what I want to talk to you guys about today, I know I had Ronnie Fowler from the 911 Center on, on the podcast a few months ago to talk about, you know, 911 call volume and, and when people should uh, call 911. But I know things have gotten even more, uh, I guess, severe since since then with in terms of call volume, in terms of hospitals going on diversion. Um, so, I mean, to start out, really just wanted to open it up to you guys to talk about you know, what you're seeing, what's happening as far as um, hospital diversions, 911 calls, volunteers, and, and public safety staff being available and, and things like that. Well, we're seeing, again, starting to see a big influx of 911 EMS calls. This week, we're going to run well over 200 EMS calls. And our average has been between 170 and 180. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be well above 200 All this right. week, as an example. One of the main big issues we're having. And it's not just con- it's just not Pennsylvania County, it's uh, all over the state, all over the country. Is, uh, yeah, it's nationwide. Uh, hospitals are full, and there's also uh, staffing shortage at hospitals. But uh, we're seeing it here; it's starting to really have a major impact. We went through this in when was it, back in the fall, I guess it was right early fall. We went through the similar situation, and then it kind of died down. But it's back again with the resurgence of this new COVID variant. Mm-hmm. We're seeing hospitals on diversion. Yeah. And I don't mean just one or two. Yeah, Danville, uh, Halifax, Martinsville, Gretna. Uh, Gretna the uh, ones in the North Carolina that borders. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, we've had a couple of days this week where everything within an hour of Pennsylvania County was on diversion. Mm-hmm. So we're still taking patients. We're having to take patients to those hospitals. There's nowhere else for us to go. Right. But we're waiting uh, anywhere for from hours. thirty minutes to two hours, just waiting for them to accept a patient. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to me a little bit about you know what when when you're having to wait that long with the patient in in the ambulance. You know what does that do? What I guess what ripple effects does that have? What well, ties up that truck? I mean that ambulance, that crew, uh, and you know they can't go responding to other calls. That's that's becoming a major impact for us. Mm-hmm. And we rely heavily on the volunteers, and the volunteers here are answering over ninety percent of the calls. Wow! And they're doing very very well. Mm-hmm. But you know it puts a strain on them because now they've got to try to muster another crew to cover their areas in some cases. And and, and even in, you know we've had days where we've uh, one agency, one volunteer agency might have had four EMS calls within inside of an hour. So now you're bringing trucks from other parts of the county in to answer those calls. And, and these ambulances are still waiting at the hospitals to offload patients. Now, right. and don't get me wrong, if it's a critical patient, somebody, you know, uh, uh, a stroke or something like right. that, we're getting them in fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, it, if it's if somebody with some common cold or, 
COVID-like symptoms. COVID-like symptoms or maybe a broken ankle, something of that nature. I mean, they're they're sitting there and they're going to wait. You know, right. there's there's not relief in sight, to tell you the truth. It's not the hospital's fault. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast of what's going on right now. Right. And so, I mean, you, you mentioned that. So can you can you tell us a little bit about what, I guess, what a diversion is? And I know there's, you know, there's different levels to that. So diversions mean that the hospital is at a, at a limit to where they can't really accept any more patients. Mm-hmm. Um, they're running out of rooms or they don't have the staff for the amount of patients that are coming in. Right. So they will go on diversion. And basically, it's just a courtesy saying, hey, we're at our limit. Mm-hmm. Try to use another resource if at all possible. But again, with all of them going on diversion, you're having trouble getting to a facility. Right. And that's what's causing us to wait. And what's, I mean, I, I know obviously... COVID ha- overall has played a large part in this. Um, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, what's what's causing these diversions? Is it is it just a number of COVID patients in the hospital? Is it staffing? Is it some of both? I mean, what's what's causing this? I believe it's going to be both. Um, it is a national-wide shortage of nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're seeing the increased COVID cases. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a result of both. You know, you all know, obviously, you know that the the hospitals are on diversion. So how does that influence the way that you give service or, or the way that you treat patients, what options you give them? If you, d- Does that, the fact that these hospitals are on diversion change the way that you all treat patients, I guess? No, it doesn't change anything with treating the patients. They still get the quality service that Pennsylvania County uh, volunteers and public safety provide. Mm-hmm. It's just a delay in transport, whether we'll have an extended delay because we have to go to Lynchburg or somewhere in North Carolina. So instead of being done with the call within an hour, you're now looking at two to three hours before that truck is back in service to respond to another call. But it doesn't affect the treatment that the volunteers and career staff provide. And and Chris, you mentioned um, you know that the the volunteers are are handling about ninety percent of the calls right now. What's well, what's normal overall? They run as as a whole. They run around eighty percent of the calls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Each station, you know, the majority of our stations are answering over ninety percent of their call volume. Oh, okay. Yeah, some of them some of them are answering right at ninety eight, ninety nine percent. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're doing great. You know, this puts a real strain on them, and and and, and most of our agencies have at least. Well, all of them have at least two ambulances. When you get to that third or fourth call, they are going to have to rely on another, right. you know, whether it be a public safety truck or the next neighboring agency to come in and help. And mm-hmm. they're doing that. They're doing it very well. But the uh, extended transports and the extended wait times at the ER, mm-hmm. where you might get a truck back in service in an hour, hour and 15 minutes, you're over two hours, maybe two and a half, three hours getting mm-hmm. a truck back. Especially, you know, if, if, a, if a South End agency has to go to Lynchburg with a patient, you're three hours. I right. mean, it's going to be three hours out of service. Mm-hmm. It's it's a huge, huge impact on our system right now. Mm-hmm. And like I say, hey, it's it's not just us. I mean, it's, it's national. Yeah. I've been on the phone with other fire chiefs from around the state this week, talking to them about the same problem, you know, looking for solutions or anything that they may be doing out of the box. And we're all having the same problem. There's not a lot of solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that would help, from what we can find out is still a lot of ERs are getting bombarded with people wanting COVID testing. You know, there's other options Mm -hmm. for COVID testing. I mean, the government this week offers out four free tests now they'll mail you. Right. COVID Uh, tests. Walgreens, Mm -hmm. Walmart, Target. Health department. Health department. 
all those folks will give you COVID testing without going to a hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and there's alternatives, too, for folks that are, you know, maybe have a minor sickness. I mean, the urgent cares and those places are still right. out there to help. So, right. you know, the, the, the ER is not always the solution. Right. And so I remember, you know, when I when I talked to Mr. Fowler a few few months ago, we, you know, we talked about sometimes it might not be necessary to call 911, that there's, you guys get a lot of calls that it, that might not be the best option. Is that still... Is that still a problem you're seeing of people calling when when they shouldn't? Yeah, and, we and when, still. When that happens, that. do you still have to take them to the hospital? If they want to go, yes. I mean, in some cases, though, they might just want to be checked out. Uh, we we still get a lot of calls, and it's not just again here. We get a lot of calls for the folks that get down on the floor, can't get back up, and somebody's got to go get them. You know, or uh, we get calls for a good a classic example is the diabetic who's not taking their medicine. And we go out, and sometimes we can correct the problem right there on scene. And not have to transport. Yeah, and not have to take them to the hospital. So we still see those kind of patients mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Right. What I hear you you talking about, you know, with the urgent care and all those other places for testing is don't, you know, don't, don't call 911 for that. Don't try to go to the hospital to get a COVID test. You said there's not an end in sight to this. So what other steps would you encourage the public to take? And, and what other, if any, I guess, changes are you all trying to, to make? Well, I, I think as far as the public goes, and in, in, in this obvious this, this new variant of COVID, still protecting yourself, wearing masks, washing your hands, vaccinations, you know, just all those things that's been preached for the last several months. Right. You know, we've got to continue to do that. We can't let our guard down. Mm-hmm. And it's impacting, I mean, everybody. You know, it's not it's not just one facet of the population. It's everybody that COVID's having an impact. It's impacting our staff. It's impacting our 911 center. It's impacting our volunteers. Our, our volunteers. Um, it's impacted uh, the county government as a whole. We've had county employees pass away over the last so few months yeah. from COVID. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the volunteers, you know, this this having an impact on them. I know, especially earlier in, in the pandemic, I would talk to agencies and they would say that there was some hesitation from their members to even go on calls because, you know, they didn't want to expose themselves and bring that back to their families. Are we, with how widespread COVID is right now, are we seeing any of that or is that? No, um, just about vol- all of the volunteers are, like he said, answering at least 90% of their calls. Mm-hmm. They are putting themselves on the front line. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, there's no hesitation. They're, they're, originally, yeah, I think there was. Uh, we saw some of that. But mm-hmm. now, no, they're they're going and they're treating patients. And, mm-hmm. You know, we, we constantly remind them, treat every patient as if they're COVID positive. Right. Even if, even if you're there for, you know, somebody's spraining their ankle, mm-hmm. treat them as they're COVID positive. And right. so we, we're, we're doing those things to try to prevent the spread of it among our own people. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. You know, this is a different different topic, but I know you guys got the new EMS station, which was built with, with CARES Act funding. I know that went operational a month or two ago at this point. So tell me a little bit about that, kind of how that's, how, how has that impacted how things are going so far? It's been, it's been great to work out of. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it allows us to, I think, give a little better response time to some of that area on the north end. You know, mm-hmm. they have more room, more room for supplies and equipment. Even... Now, uh, with some of the snow we've had lately, mm-hmm. uh, there's room if, you know, if we're going to get snow, a lot of snow in the morning, and the, and the next shift wants to come in early, there's room for them to stay so they can be there ready to go to work, not having to try to get there through all the snow. Uh, plus, we could house an additional crew up there if we had to now. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, you know, it's given us a lot of good options. Mm-hmm. 
No, that's good. And then, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention here, here you guys talk about is I know the board at their meeting, that their last meeting voted to to institute $500 hazard pay bonuses for, for all active volunteers. So talk a little bit about, you know, what what kind of impact do you think that has? What What is what is the significance of that? Well, I think it's great. It, it, it's for those folks who, if they got the COVID stipend, mm-hmm. the COVID back, they don't get the, they don't get it again. Right. But it's for the folks who answered, you know, a little higher call volume than originally with the people that had the COVID vaccinations. A lot of them stayed there and answered calls. Yep, put themselves in jeopardy mm-hmm. on the front line along with exposing not only themselves, but their family. So I think that's an awesome thing from the Board of Supervisors. Well, that's that's all the questions that I have. I mean, is there anything else on, you know, this this topic of, you know, hospital diversions and when when to call 911 and, and what you all are seeing. I mean, is there anything else that you would want to add or, or or what's I guess what's the main takeaway that you all would want to leave want to leave people with? I, I think one of the main things is if you're going to hospital, you really should be sick, really sick. I mean, it's it's uh, the hospitals are, are just flooded. And if you're going to go there, you need to be prepared. You're going to be waiting. You know, it's not going to be something you're going to be in and out of very quick in some cases. Right. And that doesn't change if you're going in an ambulance versus showing up. No, yourself. not at all. We have more calls that we take by ambulance that get put in the waiting room than we actually have taken completely back to a bed. This is really important, I think. People need to have patience with those nurses and doctors. They are completely overwhelmed, overworked, and it's not their fault. You know, I think people need to really exercise some patience when they go in there Mm -hmm. with these people and appreciate the fact they're coming to work every day and doing this because we know they're, They're you know, we know a lot of those folks. Um, and we, we can tell you they're worn out. And one of our employees' wives works at, at an ER. Mm-hmm. And I believe she had worked 11 straight days. I believe so. Yeah, and they were trying to get her to come back for a 12th. And, you know, 12 hours in there, and you're on your feet the whole time treating God knows how many patients. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a, it's, I've worked in an ER as a paramedic, and I can tell you there's days you don't get to sit down. I mean, you're just that busy. You know, you got to appreciate what those people are doing. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And we, you know, we appreciate the work that, you know, our, our public safety team and, and paramedics and EMS providers and volunteers all throughout the county are, are doing, as, as you said, putting themselves on the front line. You know, as, as you said, treating every patient like they, they could have COVID because in reality that, that sort of is how widespread this is right mm-hmm. now. And, and, I, and I want to add this too. A lot of people don't realize this. You know, we had a snowstorm Sunday. Mm-hmm. The majority of our volunteer stations had volunteers in there. Some of them sleeping in cots overnight mm-hmm. makes a big difference in response. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, you know, I don't think the general public realizes that. Right. Which fortunately wasn't that one wasn't as bad as they were initially forecasting that it could have been. So. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to four three four four eight nine. 8739